Well, it is good to be back with you. Uh, and to be able to be preaching again, I told a couple of guys, uh, it's been 25 years also since I've been a month without preaching. Um, I told a couple of guys right before the service that, and they said, oh, man, it's going to be a long day. Um, I said, wow, what kind of reputation do I have? This is, we are going to start today a little differently. Um, and uh, we're going to go out in the woods and pick up sticks. Um, plenty of those, right? No, I need you to get rid of everything in your lap. I need lap and hands open, all right? Um, anybody remember old school, Nathan, you know, Pastor Nathan, you remember the old school, like vacation Bible school, like when I was a long time ago and we did the big storm, and there's typically you do the wind, right? Everybody do this. Pastor Nathan's going to help us out with the reading of the word this morning. This is the wind, listen, Right? And the ruffling of the leaves. Do you know 99% of all leaves in the world are in Michigan? That's <laughs> what it feels like. <laughs> and then you had, when it gets, the storm starts coming in the rain, right? Some of you are going, I'm too cool for this. No, you're not. All right? And then if the storm really picks up, all right? I love seeing this. This is so good. You're going to do that the entire time I preach. So, I'm just, okay, okay, okay. Um, I came back, and I'm, I'm literally, I'm sitting in a coffee house in England. It's a rough place to do sabbatical. And um, I'm there, and I spent every day um, jumping in just to journaling and reading the Word of God and just praying that God just speak to me in ways I've never heard. Um, and one of the things that stood out to me is a story, a, a sermon I preached probably a year and a half, two years ago. It's the story of Jonah. Uh, many of you know the story of Jonah. I'm going to do it in one week. Typically, I would do it in probably three or four weeks. Uh, I'm going to hit it just today because it's with this series, Encounter. And here's a guy who encountered God in a very unique way. Um, and I want to read through the majority of just the first chapter. And I want you to understand the enormity of what's taking place. So we're going to do so by you guys being the snapping, clapping, shuffling, what, rubbing, all that. So you guys follow Pastor Nathan. Is this good? Good. All right. All right, here we go. Um, should we start with the little? Okay, yeah, let's do that. All right. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. I want you to call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, that's opposite direction. He, he, fl he flew from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa instead, and he found a ship that was going to Tarshish. He jumps on that, he pays the fare, goes down with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So he's running from God. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. There you go, that'll work. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship, it was threatening to break up into pieces. The mariners, the sailors, right, they were afraid. They're crying out each to their own God. They hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship. He was laying down in the bottom of the ship fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? People, come on, let's go. <laughs> Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account the evil has come upon us. And so they cast lots, the lot fell on Jonah, and they said to him, tell us, why is this happening? 
What's your occupation? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord. Your thumbs, are they hurting yet? This is great. Okay, all right. So he says, I'm a Hebrew, I fear the Lord God of heaven. And then they were really afraid because they found out about his God. And they're like, what have you done? Flee from us in the presence of the Lord. And so they said, what should we do from you? And so the seed then grew even more temptatious. Go, they, better? You're welcome. And he said, pick me up, hurl me into the sea, and then the sea will quiet down for you. But not that quickly. For I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. They could not. The sea grew more and more dangerous against them. And therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not us on his innocent blood. So they picked up Jonah, they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. But the wind was lightly blowing. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. They made a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Now, thank you, Pastor. (laughs) Pastor Nathan, thank you. Stimulating. Why are you clapping for that? Um. First things first, if that was a workout for you, we need to talk. (laughs) If that was your daily exercise routine, we need to talk. Ah, Jonah. Uh, Interesting story. Um, Very quickly, I've done this before, I'll give you a little bit of background. Jonah lived, I know sometimes we... Um, I'm learning that a lot of people separate the Old Testament by what's before Psalms and what's after Psalms. Jonah is after Psalms. Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, all that kind of stuff. It's it's really cool. And yet, this is happening during a time frame. Um, You can find it in 2 Kings chapter 14. That's pre-Psalms, right? So you you need to, sometimes we don't look chronologically. We just look at the order of the book in the Bible uh, and, and try to understand everything. In 2 Kings chapter 14, you can discover some of this. Hosea was a prophet who is in the northern kingdom. You have the northern kingdom, you have the southern kingdom, and these people are rebelling against God. And here's Hosea um, stepping in as a prophet. Um, Jonah's living during this time period. Hosea is stepping in while the northern kingdom is so unfaithful to God. I mean, they're just doing everything they want to live for self, and Hosea steps in and he preaches mercy. But God loves you. Isn't that cool? Like when things are really ugly and things are really messy, here comes Hosea stepping in, um, and he begins to preach mercy. Uh, on the other side of this, though, you had uh, Amos. Amos was another prophet, and Amos was preaching judgment. Maybe some of you want to preach judgment, and it's like, this is what you get. It's the guy who wants to do everything themselves. They drop what they have. It, the milk shatters, everything else. You're like, well, that's what you get for being stubborn. Right? Some of you in your own life, you see other people who are living in a certain way and you literally think to yourself, well, that's what you get. You had it coming. And so instead of preaching mercy, Amos is preaching judgment. Listen, these people have rebelled against God. They're unfaithful to God. This is what they have coming. And so here comes Jonah and Jonah listens to these two messages and you know what he likes? 
He doesn't like the message of Hosea. He likes the message of Amos. Judgment. This is what they have coming for him. This is why you always hear about Jonah. Jonah's being asked by God to go to Nineveh. These people who have rebelled, they're against God. Jonah is a patriot of Israel, of Jewish people. He loves it. He's a guy... If it were American, he'd have the giant flag on every single thing, and he'd be celebrating the 4th of July like none else. He'd be breaking every firework code we have in Michigan. Right now, he'd be setting them off and going, yes, 4th of July, like we're awesome, America, go, 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 go. He was this patriot, and so now here's this patriot being asked to go help these people who he thinks has their punishment coming. And so, yeah, he's like, no, I don't want to go help them. And so he goes down to Joppa, which is on the sea, right, Mediterranean Sea. He, get, he pays a ferry, he gets in a boat, and he heads to Tarshish. You can see a map of it right here. Um, hopefully you remember, you've seen this before. He's taken off Nineveh. Here he is. He's going, right, we already know this, opposite direction. And so here's Jonah, this book. It's only 44 verses long, yet in these 44 verses, we see God or Yahweh being called out dozens of times. Deity is referred to in these 44 verses. Deity is referred to, I think, 39 times. So over and over, you hear God being called out. And what we also learn is Jonah, he's just fed up with the wickedness. He's tired, he's fed up with seeing idolatry and wickedness prosper. Now I want to camp out here, especially after this trip that I've just had and some things that I witnessed and conversations that I had with people in other parts of the world. Um, I mean, because if you know know me at all, um, I love coffee, but more than coffee, I love conversation. Uh, with people about God. And so every time I'd be like, hey, honey, I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee, she'd be like, I'm just going to sit down here for an hour because that's going to lead to a conversation. I had lots of conversations about, hey, you know, because they, where are you from? I'm from America. There's no way you think I'm Australian. So like, you know, and so then we start having these conversations about God and everything else. And as we are, one of the things I recognize is people, uh, the majority of people in the world, shocker, they don't believe what you believe. That's the vast majority of the world. And Jonah looks at the majority of the world who doesn't believe and think the way that he believes and thinks, and he says, I want judgment for them. I'm fed up with the idolatry and wickedness winning out. But there's two things that that kind of attitude can lead to if it's not healthy. Two things. One, if you have an improper perspective of how you've been rescued from your own sin, when you look at the wickedness of the world, either you're going to look at it from judgment so what happens or here's the other thing that happens avoidance and so we live in a bubble if you don't like the world around you we either have judgment for it or we avoid it right we're just going to stay in our own bubble we're going to do our thing right And we're just going to let those other people, and we're just going to act like it doesn't exist. And when we discover that it does exist, or when we are reminded of it, we avoid it. We come back home where it's nice and safe. Is anybody, you're feeling me here. You know what I'm talking about, yes? Interactive day, yes? That's what we do. And so he was judging it and avoiding it, being Jonah toward Nineveh. And these people who were standing against God... 
He knew that Nineveh didn't want to surrender to God. He wanted judgment for them. And he certainly wanted to avoid them and not have to go. And so he jumps on a boat and he heads the opposite direction. Now, some things that really stood out to me about this story as I was reading it when I was away. Um, why do we have that attitude? <laughs> because when I had some self-evaluation, I found myself, I'm in that situation as well sometimes. I just simply, if someone t- completely disagrees with me, I'll just avoid it, right? And I actually don't mind conflict. I don't like conflict, but I know what conflict can lead to and it can be very healthy. And so I'm willing to engage with conflict. But the majority of people, they, we, we, I mean, we just don't. We don't care for conflict. Nobody wakes up and goes, I can't wait for conflict today. And so when people disagree with us, even spiritually, we, just, we avoid those conversations and we ignore them. Jonah wanted to do that very thing. Here, here's, here's the reason why I think Jonah got caught up in the judgment and the avoidance. And he didn't move beyond that to mercy. Hosea, right? He didn't move to the mercy, to the grace, or the forgiveness. One of the reasons is, I think Jonah, he came to a place in his own life where he was affiliated with Jesus. He was affiliated with Jesus. These are notes. Make sure you write this down. Fill in the blanks. He was affiliated with God, but he needed to be activated to show God's love, to show God's power. And often we claim affiliation with Jesus. Yet we haven't been activated by his power, his love, his grace to go do wonderful things, to grow the kingdom of God, to proclaim his righteousness, his holiness. To recognize that God desires to be made manifest within us. I think Jonah came to that place. When when you only have an affiliation with God, with Jesus... When you only have an affiliation with him, and yet you're not being activated, your relationship with him, your understanding of what he's even done for you, it's been cut short. Often I think churches have an affiliation with their community, but they're not being activated to share God's love within the community. We want everybody to come to church as long as they already believe the way we believe, right? I love how churches have certain names for things. You can just think about all the different programs that a lot of churches do. And the majority of non-church people have no idea what those things are. So really what we do is we have a bunch of people in churches marketing for things that only church people understand so the only new people who are going to come nobody and we've done all you can think about children programming and all kinds of things nobody knows what those words mean unless you've already been to church so all we're marketing to are the people who are already like us rather than the people who need to know God you see what I'm saying yes Right, go to the person who's never gone to church before. They don't know what vacation Bible school actually is. They just think school. So when we got big banners everywhere, we don't have vacation Bible school. But when all we do is have big banners everywhere that says vacation Bible school, who are we actually publicizing to? It's not the mom who just wants to get rid of the kids. Well, maybe. And it's because so often, even in churches, we've been associated with Jesus, but we haven't necessarily been activated by his love to reach out into the world. And so as a result, we, we avoid them rather than engaging them. I say we engage the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, not avoid them. 
When we think about that. And so many times in our own lives, and whatever, guys, whatever you're doing in your own personal life, you're contributing to what we do as a church. Because you are the church. The song's true, right? Church, people, steeple here, right? That's what happens in our life. We need to not only be affiliated with Jesus, but we need to be activated to share and to show his power. And so here's Jonah. He's not quite understanding this at this point in his life. And so he's taken off in the opposite direction. We know that he ran from God. Part of the reason I think that he ran from God is I don't know if he really believed God knew what he was doing. Like if you really say, I believe in God, and then God says to go do something, and you say no, that's kind of, if I do that as a parent, I say, kids, I need you to do this, otherwise you're gonna, you may get hurt. And they choose to ride their bike in the middle of Baldwin Street anyway. Do they not trust me? So maybe Jonah wasn't trusting God, but it continues on, there's more to this. We need to understand that Jonah's response impacted other people. Your response to God, both good, bad, indifferent, doesn't matter. It impacts others in massive ways. Think about the sailors. They're just on their way to Tarshish. They wanted to do their job, get paid, go back and see family. And all of a sudden, they're in the midst of a storm that literally says the ship was breaking up into pieces. It was about to be destroyed. Jonah's down low, sleeping at the time. Your response to God, whether or not you're affiliated with him or whether or not you're being activated to share his love and his power, it impacts other people. And you see that in the life of Jonah and all that's taken place, his response to God was impacting others. Maybe he's disappointed with God. Maybe he doesn't think that God is being fair Right? Maybe you think God should forgive you of your sin, but somebody else's sin, we don't really want them to forget. That's a greater sin, we think, and so we're like, okay, God has his limits. Often we do live as though God has limits on grace and forgiveness. He does not. God can redeem anyone from anything at any time. And so here's Jonah. They Finally, they wake him up. Maybe Jonah doesn't want others to encounter God. Here's another struggle that he had. You know that he was looking at them and either wanting judgment or just to ignore those people. You know that this was happening. He wanted to avoid them because I think Jonah saw others through his own understanding, his own personal idea of right and wrong rather than seeing others through the eyes of God. We so quickly determine who we believe others to be by whether or not, not by whether or not they're doing the godly, but by whether or not they're doing what we would do. I'm letting that sit for a moment because does that not resonate for anybody? So Jonah was messed up in terms of his understanding of mercy and grace and what God had really done. And so God, being God, he gave Jonah some time to ponder. God gave Jonah a timeout for three days in a fish. I did that yesterday with a kid. I'm going to give you guys some time to think about this. Why don't you both go to your room? (laughs) Stood up. They left. I forgot they were there. (laughs) 
they reminded me, can we cut out outside the window? Can we come out now? I'm like, fine, get a rope, pull out the window. Um, God gave Jonah a timeout. It led to the prayer in Jonah chapter 2. Only four chapters. It led to the prayer in Jonah chapter 2. And Jonah discovered very quickly this. Guys, it's impossible to escape, to escape God's presence. It's impossible to escape his presence. It doesn't matter where you are. You can't escape it. You can deny it. You can run from it, but you can't escape it. He tried to run, and he was punished for it. Jonah wanted no part of being used by God to do such a crazy, unorthodox thing. It was crazy and unorthodox to think that a Jewish guy is going to go to Nineveh and to speak to them and preach to them, they would actually come to know God. Makes no sense whatsoever. And yet what we learn is that God is calling his people to be used in a drastically unorthodox way. God is calling you to be used in a drastically unorthodox way. And so many times, logic tells us, well, this doesn't make any sense. Why would God ask me to go do it? They're not going to listen to me anyway. Maybe we have a language barrier. Maybe we think they're so far from God that it would never work out anyway. Or we have so much hatred and disdain for someone that why would we even go to them to begin with? And yet Jonah, he's thinking these very things. And yet here's what takes place. Jonah finally succumbs to God's desire. He goes to Nineveh and truly he speaks, he preaches five words. Five words. I know you're praying I would only preach five words. And all of Nineveh turns to God. That's what God can do with faithfulness, with obedience. The people responded. And they came to know God and they declared who he was. Now we know that later in the story, especially in Jonah chapter 4, what we find is Jonah's upset about that. He's still upset. He finally became obedient just because he didn't want God to give him another time out maybe. And so he preaches God in five words. The people turn to God. That upsets him even more. And he goes, sits out under this kind of a tree, if you would, as that wilts above his head. (laughs) That's the power of God. Maybe Jonah struggled because he was actually praying you know, we, we say that we, uh, beginning of our vision statement, I called it out before. What are we? Okay, very first few words. We are, okay, class participation. Transform followers of Jesus. Go. That's what we are. And I think Jonah struggled because instead of praying for transformation for himself and for others, he was actually praying for self-satisfaction. This is what will make me happy. How often are you praying for what will satisfy you rather than what will transform you? You see the difference? And I think Jonah was struggling because I think he was praying for what would bring satisfaction rather than what would bring transformation for himself but also for others. 
One of the things that you'll always hear preached with Jonah is people will ask you, and I'll ask you the same thing. Hey, what's your Nineveh? Are you, you know, uh, what is that for you? What are you running from? And that's, that's a good thing. I've preached that before. But early this morning, God hit me in a different way. Nineveh isn't only where you don't want to go. I think your Nineveh is where, you're, where are you willing to go for God? Where are you willing to go for God? What are you willing to do for him that brings transformation? What does that look like? Guys, it's coming so quick. I want to make sure we truly know who we are in Christ Jesus and that he is the only way to have fulfillment, to have true eternal life. He is the only way to encounter God. God gave us his son, Jesus Christ, in order for us to have a direct pathway to him so that we could be in communion with him forever and ever and ever. And if you don't think the hardship and the difficulty is coming, it is. This last week, we had people literally arrested in Detroit, Michigan for sharing their faith with Muslims. I'm not saying that happened in England. I'm not saying that happened in Ireland. I'm not saying that that happened in in India. That happened in Detroit. If I leave now, I can be there by 1230 eating a burger. And my tendency is to avoid that and act like it doesn't exist. It does exist. I am desperate to make sure that we know where we stand with Jesus Christ and that he has not called us to be isolated from the world. He has called us to impact the world. And if you think I'm a little, have a little too much zeal and fervor and passion about it, I would argue the other direction. I can have that Bible war all day long. That one I will win. You want to talk about Paul? You want to talk about Timothy? You want to talk about Stephen? You want to talk about Peter? I'm not praying that God gives me self-satisfaction. I am praying for transformation not only for myself, but for the entire world to know and declare to bow before the throne of Jesus Christ. And some of you are going, but Joel, you don't understand. Your storm isn't this. You're going, my storm, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy in my life. Some of you are going, this is your real storm, right? And you're going, it's nutty, it's noisy, it's loud, don't you know? Don't you get it? But he's calling us to be the voice. So this is what I want to do for us. I want us to give us just a, I want to give you a few challenges to think about when you read through Jonah. And that's one of the things I want to do. I'm preaching this through, through, through just today. Next week, Rich Young Ruler. I'm going to tell you, read through that. But I, I'd like to invite you to, as a family or with a group of friends, to read through Jonah together. That's one of the things I'd like to ask you to do. And I just want to challenge you with a few things. Uh, the team's going to come back out, and we're going to be able to close today. But I want to challenge you with a few of these things. One, I want to challenge you to read through the four chapters of Jonah. Second, I want you to write down your Nineveh, not just what you're running away from, but what you're willing to run to, because you see the difference. So I want you to write down your Nineveh and what you're willing to run to, not just what you're willing to run away from. Because that takes a different type of, you run away from something because of fear, you're willing to run to something because of courage. 
Another thing I want you to be able to do is I want you to evaluate how your sin, I want you to evaluate, yes, I want you to evaluate your sin because then you're gonna say, God, forgive me, and you're gonna recognize the grace and the forgiveness that washes over you. We've lost the beauty of confession today. And yet Romans tells us that it's for all who confess their sins. And so I want you to evaluate how your sin impacts the people around you, your family and your friends and colleagues, others. And then finally, I want you to see others through the eyes of grace and not condemnation. Hosea or Amos. See him through the lens of Hosea. Just this beautiful mercy and grace that no matter how broken someone is, that they can encounter God. I know I'm crazy broken. And yet God said, I got you. It just makes every day a good day to me. My worst case scenario is I die and I spend eternity worshiping the king of kings. It's my worst day. Romans 8, it speaks clearly about seeing others through the eyes of grace. Therefore, there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. See others through that mercy, the love and the passion, the forgiveness that he has. Guys, it's going to be fun as we get to somewhat enter into another season of the life of Chapel Point. I hope you're ready. When I first came here five years ago, I very nicely asked everybody to buckle up. I'd like to ask you today to put your helmet on. The world will come. We're going to get in a fight. We're going to show them the love of Jesus. How about that? Amen? You in? Some of you may not know. You in? God, we come before you. We give you everything. May we see everyone for how they can be restored and redeemed, including ourselves, God. Including ourselves. How we can know your power and know your love. To know your grace and know your forgiveness. Oh, Lord, we give you thanks that we get to come freely together into a place of worship. And God, the, the thing that amazes me is whoever we are here in this place, this is truly probably who we are at our best. When we come together with brothers and sisters in Christ, people who believe the way we believe, who have the faith that we have, this is the picture of probably the greatest that we tend to be in our own faith. And so God, I'm praying that we don't walk out of this place less than who we are now. May we declare your goodness in this place and in our places of work. May we declare who you are in our homes. May we make decisions that point, reflect people to Jesus. 
have your way with us. In Christ's name, amen.